The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Hi, I'm Jennifer Saba, and you're listening to The Exchange from Breaking Views. I have the pleasure of introducing New York venture capitalist Ben Lear. He is the managing partner of Lear Hippo Ventures, an early-stage VC firm based in the Big Apple. Their investments include digital media upstarts BuzzFeed and Axios and retail challengers Casper and Warby Parker. In addition, Lear is the CEO of Group 9 and the co-founder of entertainment and shopping guide Thrillist. This makes Lear uniquely positioned to talk about big digital subjects, which he did with me in mid-June. Please take a listen. All right. Welcome to the program, Ben. It's good to have you on. So I want to kick this off talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is new media. Um, As the chief executive of Group 9, you're involved in a VC firm that backs a lot of media companies. Um, You have a pretty good bird's eye seat of what's going on. So it's been a bad year. (laughs) There's Mm. been a lot of layoffs in the industry with BuzzFeed and AOL and HuffPost and Yahoo. Uh, Disney wrote down its entire value of uh, Vice. Uh, It was 400 million that they put in there. Um, I mean, what do you think is going on here? I mean, what's your kind of take on this? Good question. (laughs) Uh, So, so I I think, you know, we could talk about this for the next three to four years if we wanted to. But uh, I think the, the short version is, this is this is sort of natural pendulum swings uh-huh. that you see in 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 any business uh, that uh, you know three four years ago we were at a point where there was a ton of venture money a ton of excitement big frothy valuations Vice was worth five and a half billion dollars and BuzzFeed and Box had just raised massive rounds and it was it was an exciting time and I think. Uh, for, for a lot of good reasons, a lot of it had to do with uh, just looking at consumer behavior. Uh-huh. People were moving more and more to consuming on mobile and mobile video. The big right. social platforms were really becoming video distribution platforms. And there was a, uh, I think, a fear in traditional media that the TV business was losing lots of people and that there was a reckoning coming for that business and uh, invest in the future. And so a lot of excitement, um, I think, as with sort of any time a bunch of venture money goes into any area, it gets frothy. It gets yeah, and, right, right. And so uh, pendulum swung hard that way. I think over the last few years, the pendulum has swung um, very hard the other way okay. for a few reasons. One is uh, I think some of the, the, the sort of mentality that's been set up or the relationship that's been set up with the big digital platforms, with, with Facebook and with Google mm-hmm. – um, I think that there was a hope or an expectation that that more money was going to get shared and less money was going to get uh, sort of hoarded by those companies mm-hmm. um, in the publishing business. Mm-hmm. And we can talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, I'll come back to that um, point, but I want to hear other points. there was also, uh, there's been a huge amount of consolidation in traditional media. Yeah. And so um, that has partially, or maybe in large part, actually staved off some of the, uh, I think, inevitable challenges that lie ahead. For, for that business. And so uh, by consolidating, they've been able to actually keep the $70 billion in TV advertising in TV, um, not only because of the consolidation, I also think because of lots of self-inflicted challenges in digital around uh, how, how around, around data and around, you know, these closed off uh, ecosystems. But what's ended up happening is 
the TV businesses have been really focused inside. Uh, the money hasn't come from the platforms as quickly as, as some might have thought. And as a result, um, a lot of the venture money has sort of dried up um, because there haven't been some of these exits. And so what's happened is the pendulum has swung totally to the other side mm -hmm. where there is this huge death and destruction theme that uh, is being sort of perpetuated. And I think it is not close to as bad as the the sort of like top line perception is and, and that this is not an industry that's going away and that all the, I believe all the, the sort of tailwinds still exist because it's around consumer behavior. The, yeah. the, the consumer shift is is accelerating, and uh, but uh, it's created challenges in the market. It, legitimately, I think it's been uh, it, we're at a time right now where being a small independent digital publisher is is really hard. There's a lot of companies that got funded and that are running out of money and that are. Uh, either having to sort of sell for pennies on the dollar or are disappearing altogether. Yeah, yeah. And that's not great. No. And that means that a lot of venture capitalists who have invested in these companies, myself included, have, uh, for some of the great wins, have some some big losses too. And so uh, I think it's just a space that, you know, in, in everything, nothing is ever as good or bad as it seems. And I think we were there was a time a few years ago where it wasn't as good as it seemed. Mm -hmm. And there's a time right now where it's not as bad as it seems. Mm -hmm. But uh, there, you know, things are things are taking more time here. And I think you need a. Uh, it seems like all at once the whole world sort of said, "Okay, now everybody in digital needs to be profitable, and we need to show that these businesses can scale." It's not. It hasn't happened yet, so forget it. And it's like that was that was never the plan here. And everybody needs to continue to remember the big picture, which is follow consumers. Yeah. Well, let me stop you there because I, I, there are a couple of points I, I want to make about that. And, and, and first, um, Group 9, too, because that that's that thesis sort of plays out, right? It's, it's a consolidation of um, Now This, The Dodo, Thrillist, and Seeker, right? Yep. You, you basically grouped all those together. And the idea is it's, it's you know... The idea Together, is bigger is better. Bigger is better, but that's still tiny, right? Comparatively Compared, speaking, comparatively lot, speaking, right? and that's a question. What? How, how big is big enough? Yeah. And so, how big is big enough? Because BuzzFeed was a fairly big too, and they're having problems. Vice was pretty big, and they're having problems. Um, you know, they're even like established media players are having problems in terms of digital advertising. Um, and and it is true that you want to go where the consumer is, but. How I, I just kind of want to zero in a little more on the model because it seems like the advertising, digital advertising, is just not going to work out for that's that's how I see it from my viewpoint. So, so what's not going to? So about? I guess the question is, it not going to work out as the singular revenue stream to lead these businesses to be enormous, thriving businesses? And that's what they were set up on, though. Got it. So yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I agree that if you're building your digital business entirely focused on your direct sold ad business as yeah. Your revenue stream, that's not going to take you to the promised land. I think uh, at the same time, going in and and discounting advertising or writing off advertising, mm -hmm. saying advertising's not the model, forget advertising is crazy. Mm -hmm. And the idea that advertising is not part of the mix and that you should build businesses entirely 
you, you, that's another pendulum swing, right? You build these businesses in advertising. Advertising alone doesn't get you everything that you want. And so you go, oh, forget advertising. It's garbage. Let's go build everything direct to consumer. And the reality is you're going to have to build multi-revenue stream businesses. You're going to have to create diversification. I think at the core, this comes back to building brands that matter, that if they went away tomorrow, people would care, that stand for something, that build real community, that are not a mile wide, Mm -hmm. but that go deep. And that really, uh, that build trust and build uh, real credibility and own areas of lifestyle that are of importance. And then once you're, once you've built that kind of a brand, you need to build an advertising business, and you need to probably build a uh, a studios business uh, where you're licensing uh, content that you're creating and creating new mm-hmm. uh, new windows uh, for some of the content that you create. Uh, where you're actually going and creating IP with other platforms and and participating in some of the traditional media ecosystem, where you're thinking about um, how you directly monetize your audience, whether through experiences or through paid content or through commerce or through affiliate, and that's not easy to do. It's not it's not easy to walk and chew gum and yeah. rub your belly and hop on one leg. But uh, I think if you if you come back to the foundation of a brand and a community, and then finding ways to, uh, I think exploit is the wrong word, but for business purposes, you can say exploit that community for different modes of monetization. That's what needs to happen, and that's what's starting to happen. Who do you think, what brand, like if, if there's one that you have in mind that's making this transition, what, well, I would which, look which at, brand would uh, I would look internally at how we think about a brand like the Dodo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and just explain to the audience really yeah, quickly what the so, Dodo is. So the Dodo is the uh, the biggest animal brand in the world now. Um, we're the biggest. We have the biggest community of, of animal lovers and pet owners on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Twitter, in the world. And and just, did Discovery recently uh, partner with the Dodo? So we have one of the things that the Dodo is doing. We have a show on Animal Planet. Okay, that's uh, what called I was Dodo saying. Heroes. It's okay. in season two right now. Uh, I think really interestingly, uh, one of the th- this one of the sort of like a thesis that we had around digital brands moving to new platforms mm-hmm. was not just that we know how to make content that people like, but that our community will follow us mm-hmm. and will do the things that we suggest not only in the places where they consume our content, but in other places. And uh, one of the reasons that we are now in our second season. One of the reasons that we, we've, we're have we doing a second season is the first season was hugely successful. It was the number one freshman show that they had last year on Animal Planet. And what was really interesting about it was uh, 18% of the viewers, and this is data from Animal Planet, uh, that watched Dodo Heroes had never watched Animal Planet before. Hmm. Um, and so we were So actually, they came in from your They brand. came in from our okay. communities. Or, or if they didn't come in from us, I don't know where they came from. Yeah. But these were people that we were... Uh, we were running our own digital marketing yeah. and using our own community to promote the programming and drove people to a platform that uh, and to to a channel that wasn't part of their you know normal viewing habits yeah and I think that that that's an example of how you can mobilize digital communities to create new revenue and, and discovery is paying you for this content right so it's like yeah, a production it's a, we're, we're making a tv like, show with them yeah. yeah we are working on a bunch of different projects right now around either licensing the dodo name in uh categories that we think we can bring 
credibility to and bring our consumers to. We're also talking about how we can move into direct commerce and start to create product around uh, some of our IP, around some of our talent. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I mean, Disney's the famous example of really being an, an yeah. intellectual property company. Right, right. Um, I don't mean to say that tomorrow we're going to be opening Disney World uh, for dogs, but I think when you let's let's look at the Dota. The Dota reaches over seventy one percent of pet owners in the United States. Huh. Okay. This is an opportunity to take a brand and create multiple touch points, multiple streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, build a brand that has franchises that live in. So lots like of so like areas. the Disney model is what you mean. By so that. like the so Disney model. Like by the way, or... it's also worth noting that the Dodo is uh, for for all the sort of you know, negative attention or, or sort of, you know, lack of uh, progress that some publishers and brands see from a monetization perspective on platforms like Facebook and YouTube, the Dodo is amongst the most successful uh, brands on those platforms, not only of selling our own advertising, but actually monetizing through uh, sort of the passive revenue that we create by building highly engaging content that people stick around and watch all of, retentive content, content that people actually seek out with habitual viewing patterns. Not every brand's able to achieve that. The Dodo is, and as a result, we're able to make real money so on can, these platforms. So can, can it survive? Basically, my question is, is it profitable? Is it a profitable business? Like, can it, is, is it a standalone business? The Dodo, the Dodo will be a very profitable standalone business. Uh, and I mean, all of these things are sort of, we're a holding company, so everything is, uh, we, we sort of intermingle yeah, our, yeah, so our finances. Yeah. But if we decided that we wanted the Dodo to go live independently, the yeah. Dodo would be a hugely successful business. Um, now, the, that, that is not to say, though, that, uh, that every brand is, is going to be successful that way or has that opportunity in digital. Um, I do think that there's going to be fewer, bigger winners mm -hmm. um, and that so much of the content that, that the sort of what's happened in digital is things have become, uh, have sort of regressed to the lowest common denominator. Everybody sort of writes all of the same stories and SEO games and, and you know, trending news, jumping on the royals and all of this stuff. And I think that that part of the media business is a bit of a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I think that the opportunity in the media business is to build real brands with real communities. Let's talk about the platforms uh, for a minute. Um, so yesterday in, uh, on, in Congress, there were a bunch of news people going up, uh, newspapers and people affiliated with newspapers going up to, to Capitol Hill to testify, you know, basically saying Google has ripped the rug out from under us and they cited this number you know they took nearly five billion from newspapers and they're basically trying to lay out a case that they should have special compensation and be allowed to kind of get together band together and set rates with the platforms like facebook and google um what what do you think of this like i you because what's interesting to me is that they left a lot of people out of this argument so it's just really for newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, but just part of the broader the broader thesis here is that the platforms have, you know, they're thievery, if you if you will. Um, what, what's your take? Like, how do you 
how do you go up against that when they're yeah. when they 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 do suck up so much digital advertising absolutely that it's almost even if you were to roll up buzzfeed and vice and vox and squish them all together they're still going to be tiny compared to google and facebook so you know where does that leave yeah publishers so, so it, it's a really good question i think that there is there's a bunch of different ways to look at this one of them is through the lens of you know I don't think the right approach is publishers looking for a handout. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that the problem that exists right now is that there's a there's a sort of a foundational issue with the dynamic that exists between publishers and the big distribution platforms that is the antithesis of the relationship that existed between the cable providers and the cable networks. Mm -hmm. uh, with the cable providers and the cable networks, there was an agreement that everyone was going to get rich together. Uh, the cable provider said, we're going to pay you because you're making stuff that makes it possible for us to charge consumers. Sell all the ads you want, do whatever you want. As long as people are paying for the cable subscription, we'll we're all good. Yeah, we'll and, and by the way, we're going to give you, you're going to make so much money, but you're going to, but because you're capitalist, you're going to reinvest that money in making better and better stuff, which is going to make our bundle that much more valuable. It's good for you, it's good for us, and it's good for consumers. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins. Mm -hmm. And what's happened in digital is, uh, I think at first, the platforms had no idea what they were doing, and publishers had no idea what they were doing, and publishers said, oh my God, there's audience, and started giving them stuff, and in turn, the, the platforms grew on the back of publishers, I think in not in a predatory way. It just happened, and, and the ecosystem evolved faster than anybody knew uh, before anyone knew what hit them. Mm -hmm. And now, or, or several years ago, there became this sort of reckoning where people, where all the publishers said, hey, what the hell happened? We made you guys. Now pay us. And the platforms at first said, we have no obligation to pay you. Tough luck. And then eventually said, yeah, 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 actually, we want to pay you. And help us understand exactly what sustainability looks like. And we're going to figure out how we can build a business model that gets you just enough scraps so that you don't die of starvation. Is that what they said? I mean, like, no, that's feelings? not what they yeah, said. That's but what it's, they meant. Well, yeah. but I'll tell you, when you talk to the platforms, yeah. the, 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 the terminology that they use is sustain, mm -hmm. not thrive. Mm -hmm. Those are two very different terms. Their goal is to create sustainable business model. I don't care to build a sustainable business model, nor to any of my peers, nor should anybody who's building a for-profit business. Mm, yeah. I'm trying to build a thriving business. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that it is in the best interest of the platforms to change their desire from sus building sustainable partnerships to building thriving partnerships. They should want me to be rich, me as Group 9, because if Group 9 has a lot of money, guess what we're going to do with the money? We're going to reinvest it in better and better content, which is going to enrich their platform, which is going to lead to more advertising because more usage, which, by the way, is going to further enrich Group 9. And you end up creating an ecosystem like the cable ecosystem, which has been exquisitely successful for an incredibly long period of time. And by the way, so successful that it survived a decade now where ostensibly the entire young half of the humanity has left it and now lives on a new device 
yet there has been no degradation of that business model because it's that strong an ecosystem so, and that so, strong a partnership. So you're, it, Rupert Murdoch has made this argument uh, and, yeah. and News Corp is, is making this argument pretty strongly um, that it should be an affiliate model like the cable model, right? So Facebook should pay news organizations almost like a subscription fee, if you will, to, to for them to publish on their platforms. So I think their, that there's probably a difference between news organizations mm-hmm. as sort of a public service yeah. and entertainment organizations. So you're making that distinction. Though, I, I think so. And, yeah. and you know, I would say don't That's quote fair. me. That's fair. I would say fair. don't quote me, except yeah. Yeah. you're <laughs> clearly quoting, quoting you. <laughs> me. Uh, but I, I think that there is, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, you know, a, a little, I'm thinking in terms of fake news and in terms of sort of like this, the security of our democracy. But I do think that news as a category uh, is something that probably, and one of the reasons for this is that advertisers go, oh, we don't want to be around news. Yeah, That news stuff is terrible. And uh, A, I think that's incredibly irresponsible of marketers, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I think that if you are, uh, I think in the news category, you sort of just have to take responsibility if you're one of, if you're one of the dominant companies and platforms in the world for making sure that the content that you distribute in these categories. By the way, if like like you have to have some validation for for real news and for real journalism, and you probably do need to create uh, potentially an unnatural incentive around that, like mm-hmm. an affiliate model. Mm-hmm. I think for non news content, I don't know that I necessarily agree with Rupert that everything should be an affiliate. I, I just don't think it's a realistic outcome. But I do think you should be able to. Uh, get compensated much more fairly for what you kill. And, and by that meaning, if you're building really big communities here, you should be able to benefit from mm-hmm. the revenue share much more favorably mm-hmm. than than is currently the setup. So um, kind of going back to this then, I mean, like, what's your investment thesis? Because I'm sure you see people are knocking on your door that are starting up new media organizations or new digital startups. Um, how does that, how does that change your thinking in terms of what you're going to invest in? Like when you, and, and again, specifically around media for the, for the, for this yeah. purpose of this question. Like, so, so people continue to knock on, on our door. This is a leader hippo at the, at, 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 you know, my, my investment fund. Uh, people continue to knock on the door um, from a media perspective. I will say less. Hmm. So these days, I think that so you're saying less incoming? Less uh, entrepreneurs are generally drawn to places where there is capital. I get a lot more people coming to us with ideas in the cannabis space today. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Than I do in the media space. Yeah. You know, ideas chase dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and two years ago, we had a lot of people with great blockchain ideas. Yeah. So there's always going to be entrepreneurs who, who chase the next thing. Yeah. I think we... I continue to invest and we continue to invest in media. Um, I think we are, we know a lot about the business. We're very particular. I think generally speaking. Uh, you're, you're an investor in Axios. We're investors in Axios. Yeah. We're investors in Brat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're investors in, uh, in Crypt TV. Uh, these are investments that we've made in the last two years um, in media uh, that are doing really well. And I think the, the thing that's interesting about some of these media investments that we're making is, uh, A, it's it's people who come from these businesses, who really understand these businesses, um, because I think we have a belief that there's going to be less 
later stage capital availability, mm -hmm. and so less margin for error, mm -hmm. and so people who are going to need less time to get up to speed. So they need to get profitable pretty quickly. Not even about getting profitable, they just need to be able to move, to move quickly. Okay. And so the Axios team coming out of Politico, they have a playbook they know. Yeah. They have great networks, personal brands, a lot of, there's a, there's, you know, there's a, it's not hard to have a high degree of confidence that those guys were going to execute pretty well vis-a-vis -vis me. I would not fund me when I started Thrillist coming in <laughs> that's, that's with a, fair, a newsletter a for dudes as 22. Like if, if yeah. somehow I got into happen? my own office, I would call security. Uh, and, and I think that that is, uh, that's, that's, that sucks actually. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's not great that there is, you know, for the last 10 years I've been building my media business and I have to be very, I got to keep my eyes on the road and in the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. Uh, looking in the rearview mirror right now, I'm not sitting here uh, sweating it. There's not a lot coming up behind. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of people funding these businesses. There's a handful of them uh, that I think are going to be opportunistic. I think we're probably going to do really well in our media investments because there's not a lot of competition for these deals, and we have a pretty keen eye and an understanding of this business. Um, I continue to, to totally believe in the longer-term view, but... Uh, as an early stage investor, you need to be cognizant of late stage capital availability. And this is a category that venture capitalists for the time being have decided is not the best use of their capital. Well, I mean, this is uh, interesting because I, I this kind of goes to the argument about going back to Facebook and Google. And I've heard this um, in other instances where people in VC are just completely don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole anything that is going to be pretty exposed much reliable. Exposed to those companies anyway. Exposed to those companies, which is digital advertising, right? And so it does kind of, you know, create this argument that it's stifling innovation. Right? Yes. And, and, and it, that's... But it doesn't need to. And so I don't believe that we are, uh, you know... For for all the sort of perceptions or press about you know the evil empires and these these you know terrible places these are these are still companies that are led by people that want their own business to thrive. The reason I continue to have faith that we that by the way are the actual metrics of our business validate that the relationships continue to get better and the monetization is growing in these partnerships. What well, do do you think they're too powerful? Do you think Google and Facebook is too powerful? Are, are too powerful? platforms? I think that we live in a world right now where the power lives with fewer and fewer folks and companies. Mm -hmm. And you can be big and powerful and not evil and not take advantage of that. And I think that there is there are not enormous philosophical changes that could and should and hopefully will be made at some of these places that can make for a much healthier ecosystem. Mm -hmm. That may sound naive and, and hopeful. You know, I have more exposure to and, and insight into some of these places, I think, than like the general population that just scoffs at that idea, including a lot of traditional media who I think just goes, eh, fat chance, forget about it. Yeah. I, I have reason to believe and be hopeful. That being said, if I'm building my business, expecting 
Again, a handout, expecting a light switch, expecting a silver bullet. I'm kidding myself. Mm -hmm. That's never happening. We haven't operated under those auspices ever. We've never expected this to be easy. We've expected over time improvement. And we've seen improvement over time as well. You mean improvement with your relationship or, or improvement, improvement with, with the, the relationship, business. improvement with the way that yeah. they think about this stuff. Yeah. Um, admittedly, I'm a little bit of an outlier amongst my peers. You are. Where most of my <laughs> peers have said, I'm just fed up with it. Yeah. And uh, I I think that there's a few reasons why, why I, I think I have a slightly different perspective. One of them is my relationship with my dad, who's been working in the media business since 1822. Uh, <laughs> and your no, dad is Ken no, Lear. No, no. Uh, my, no, my dad who's been, yeah. who, and, and the, the, the real, the perspective that he has is, is very much one about this idea of pendulum swing and this idea that uh, history can, will always repeat itself. Yeah, he's itself. seen the cycles. He's yeah. seen the cycles right. and, and he sees me get caught up in the cycles and get and, and when I'm high, I'm high, and I'm low, I'm low. And he's a good calming force for huh. me to say, it's never as bad as it feels, and it's never as good as it feels. And we've seen this movie before, and the macro trends are all right with consumer behavior, and just keep your eye on that ball. And I, and I, and I believe that that's the right strategy, uh, but it takes, it takes a strong constitution. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it takes... Uh, it takes a lot of hard work, and I think. And in the meantime, you know, we're in a, we're and and Jonah at BuzzFeed has talked a lot about this idea, which is we were the digital media business was in it was it was outrun. I mean, do you, do, you, do you think you missed the timing with BuzzFeed in terms of a sale? I mean, I, I they they definitely had an opportunity to sell and didn't, and so I don't I think that like that opportunity they missed, but I think that. Uh, I don't know what Jonah would say if he wishes he did or didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I actually think Jonah probably, and, and I think genuinely, is probably happy that he's still independent mm -hmm. and 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 believes in the future of this industry. I actually know he. I mean, like I spend a huge amount of time with Jonah. I I massively respect Jonah. I think that he uh, Jonah's one of the people with that long term conviction and commitment. And I would never, ever, 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 ever bet against Jonah, hmm. ever. And so, uh, you know, I'll tell you that there is, it, it, it can be, it can be frustrating and it can be hard. At the same time, uh, you know, one of the things that gives me confidence and that keeps, uh, that, that on days where I feel like things are moving too slowly um, is our partnership with Discovery. And uh, we, have an, we have a really great partnership with yeah. Discovery, um, with the leadership there. Um, they understand the challenges and the nuances of uh, the market right now. Um, but I think, I know David is really eyes wide open to understanding the importance of uh, not losing sight of who really matters here, which is the end user. Yeah. And well, they're also content creators as well. They're yeah. content creators. They're IP owners. We have a lot in common with them and our philosophy uh, and so that partnership gives me comfort to have a longer term view than if I was a, you know, quote unquote, venture backed company where all of my investors have a gun to my head and say, 
Give me my check. Give me my check. Give me my check. I don't want to be in this media thing. Yeah. Uh, is they, that happening? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think in 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 a bunch of companies, yeah. the investors are like, yeah, I'm good. I'd like to, you know, let let's move along. But, but your but your group nine is completely. Uh, it's it's uh, Lear Hippo is the only investor. No, no, no. Investors? Well, so we had some investors in now this, some investors in Thrillist, yeah. and some investors in the Dodo, independent investors yeah. who all joined forces in our cap table, uh, and uh, for a variety of reasons. Let's put it this way. Anyone with any voice in our company has the absolute right mentality. We have Axel Springer invested in on our board, okay. another company with a long-term approach to doing this. We we have a VC on the board uh, from Oak who uh, he just he gets it. Yeah. He he's another person who's seen cycles. We just have a great a great support group who believes in what we're doing long term, which which we're really fortunate for. Okay. All right. Well, um, Ben, thank you very much hey, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Exchange. This podcast was produced by Freddie Joyner, Ross Shoulder, and Brad Bell. Be sure to check out breakingviews.com and subscribe to our various audio products, including the Views Room, on iTunes or anywhere else you go to get your podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in.